Do you notice the pun there? Pretty proud of that. This, I think, is an interesting text if you're going to be honest about this whole beginning part, right? When I was reading this text this week, there was part of me that said, you know, it would be easier if you listen to this and then you put 18.1 at the end. Because honestly, with like, then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. This is not the one I pick. This doesn't exactly give you this easy, warm, and fuzzy sense about like, oh yeah, things work out the way that they're supposed to. So I want you to hear this again. I'll just leave it here. And I'm going to end with 18.1. So Jesus said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, grant me justice against my opponent. For a while, he refused. But later he said to himself, though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continuously coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Jesus told them this parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. It's kind of a struggle to figure out how this is not to lose heart. Parables like this don't exactly ooze an overwhelming shout about, Yay, God, we did what we were supposed to. Things happened the right way. Yay. It actually just, I don't know, it leaves a funny feeling. Let's start at the beginning. We are introduced to these two characters, the judge and the widow. The widow in the New Testament is somebody who would not have a whole lot of power. Remember that in this society, it was the men who primarily had power. And so on it, when, when a woman lost her husband, and as far as we can tell, don't have any family, because it would have been the sons who likely would have come to her aid in defense against the judge. In this case, the widow had no one. She was alone. She had to defend herself. This is someone who would have had the very least amount of power in the society that we're talking about today. And then we get to the judge. Now, how many of you remember the great commandment? What, what is when, when Jesus says, the greatest commandment is... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might, and... So this guy is like literally the opposite of the greatest commandment, right? This guy is the antithesis of the best we are supposed to do. The thing that Jesus came into this world to show us, this judge is the opposite. Has no respect or fear of God and no respect for any person. And it's funny because it's not like he even denies it internally, right? He has this monologue where he's like, well, I don't really like God. I don't really like people. So I guess I'll give this woman what she wants. She has, he has power, though. So in essence, we have these people on opposite ends of the spectrum. Somebody without any power at all. And somebody who has a lot of power as a judge in the legal system. 
but literally cares less about anything. Not to say we couldn't imagine some of those people in our own lives today. And the widow shows up, and she shows up, and she shows up. The Greek is indefinite here, so we don't even know how long she was there. Imagine having to get up every morning and say, well, today's the day. What am I going to do? I'm going to go to the judge. Give me justice against, grant me justice against my opponent, judge. Hey, widow down the street, what are you going to do this week? Well, I think I'm going to go to the judge, ask him to grant me justice against my opponent. Then I think I'm going to go to the judge. Then I think I'm going to go to the judge. Then I might go get groceries, and then I'm going to go back and go to the judge. Week after week after week, and nothing happens. And the judge all of a sudden finally changes his mind. And why is it? It is apparently not because the widow was somehow deeply persuasive in her argument. No, it's because the guy's annoyed. She's causing me trouble, he says. And the word here for wear me out in the Greek is imagine that somebody is being tired in the same way that if you got punched in the eye and got a black eye. So literally... The judge is saying is, this woman is wearing me out. It's like I got punched in the face. I'm tired of getting punched in the face. I'm going to give her what she wants. Justice is done. And we're supposed to take this out and pray continuously and not lose heart. Luke, not the greatest selection for this. Like Lazarus coming back from the dead? Totally a better explanation of being faithful. And you could tell in the last three verses, it's interesting because you almost feel Luke himself wondering about this. Because while these are Jesus' words, this is also Luke's interpretation of it. Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? And if you think about that, trying to compare the perfectly just judge of God and this unjust judge that we're being invited to is a little squeamish, right? I don't want to imagine God like this unjust judge who just grants things because he's tired of hearing about it. I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And then you hear the proclamation and then you hear sort of in the background that question that I think we all struggle with. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Are things going to get better? I keep showing up week after week after week. Are things going to get any better for me? Is my life going to do something more? I keep trying to pray and I don't hear anything. What's going on? Even Luke was second guessing. That should give us comfort when we second guess. The gospel writer is doing it. It's okay. 
So let's say we take Luke at his word. Let's say we take Jesus at his word. And this is something that should help us pray always and not lose heart. What can we gain out of this text? I think the first thing is that we can recognize that even those who are most powerless in this world can do something. When you feel like your back is up against the wall, you have done everything you could do. I know when those days come that you're like, I can't hear one more piece of bad news. And you know what? Three of them come your way that day. Anybody's week this week? And especially when there are things that you have no control over, you can still show up. You can still put your coat on, walk out the house, and go argue to the judge. Remember two weeks ago, we talked about the faith of a mustard seed, and I tried to remind everybody that you are enough. That applies here, too. You, my friends, are enough. And in spite of things happening, the one thing you can do is show up. Here I am. Grant me justice. Even the most powerless can show up. If that's the only thing we can do, that's what we're able to do. And the thing is, it doesn't even have to be heroic, right? This is not a good TV movie. You know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, exciting, because there's some sort of ultimate, like, showdown, and things happen. This is like Mrs. Smith goes to the courthouse. Not as good. Walking down Sandusky Street. You know, like the most exciting thing is, it's like, do I go to Jimmy John's? Maybe I don't. Maybe I do. Feeling a little hungry. That's the best it is. This is not exciting. It's not heroic. And that's okay. We don't always have to imagine ourselves to be superheroes overcoming every single thing that happens in our lives. It's not necessary because we will overwhelm ourselves with our own failure if we presume that every time that we go to show up, we have to do something spectacular. The widow showed up, and that was enough. You can show up here at 1030, and that is enough. The angels rejoice that you just showed up today. If that's all you can do today, amen. The second part here is I think that persuasion is not always the point, right? This is where I think we stumble so much when we get worried about what evangelism is. And we feel like our job in evangelism is to convince somebody that Jesus is Lord and that they got to come and do the stuff that we do. That is hard work. And honestly, is almost impossible. The idea of evangelism as persuasion is likely the most difficult one. And that's the one we always talk about, right? 
You ever seen the Avenger Cube? I wish I had a picture of it. It's this thing that so long as you keep flipping the sides over on the Avenger Cube, it will tell the story of Jesus, and that's enough to save somebody. $24.99, in case you're really curious and want to buy one for yourself, and you too can flip a cube for Jesus. Because I think we then start to get worried about having to say the right thing, doing the right thing. If we make a mistake, that's a gotcha moment for somebody who's really into getting what you're getting at. That made no sense. Um, I oftentimes hear our youth talk about when they're thinking about living out faith in school. And they'll talk about, I go in, people will say, well, you believe in this thing or you believe in this thing. Isn't that, it's not what science says. It's not what this says. And oftentimes our youth feel there's some, some sort of obligation to have some sort of refutation of this to say, well, you don't understand. This is how it is. I try to tell them, A, it's okay to believe in science and Jesus. That's not mutually exclusive. But the second thing I try to tell them is it is okay to not have the answers. That's not your job. Your job is not to be persuasive. Your job is to show up. Because the judge ultimately was not convinced by the widow, right? The judge was annoyed. Just like, I don't want to get punched in the face anymore by this widow. You're showing up every single week, every single day. It's fine, we'll just give her what she wants. Friends, we shouldn't discount this as a legitimate approach to serving in God's kingdom. In the already here but not yet, in the time that Jesus has come and died and is resurrected, and until he comes again in glory, there is space between thy kingdom come and every knee shall bow. There is work to be done in the middle. So yeah, if it means that we don't persuade the judge, but still we get the justice, isn't that worth a victory? Even Jesus says, those who aren't against us are for us. And that is the way, because I always think of it the other way. These people are not against us, they're for us. If something happens that brings the kingdom one step closer, and yeah, we didn't quite persuade the person, it's okay. The kingdom is in-breaking. It's happening now. And I think the last thing that's helpful in this passage is that showing up over and over actually does matter. There is an indefinite time, an open time, between when the widow came and the judge made his decision. There is an indefinite time between when, Jesus, when God says quickly and when that action happens. Friends, don't forget this bedrock truth is that our sense of time is gauged to eternity, not to our time here. And so showing up day to day is a blip on eternity. It's hard to remember in the midst of having to do all the things we have to do, making sure that we show up every day to go to the judge and say, give me my justice, week after week after week. We're talking about eternity here. 
And so if we recalibrate our sense of timing, trying to live in God's time, the Kairos time, the pregnant moment, the time that is supposed to happen when it happens, we start to see things a little differently. We begin to see that perhaps behind us, as the widows asking the judge for our justice. That perhaps it's our Savior guiding us along, moving with us along the way. The Anglican priest, Rowan Williams, was asked this question, can we imagine circum- certain circumstances in which the action of God in relation to the world is closer to the surface than it habitually is. In other words, are there times that we can sense God's presence a little bit more? And he says, we may not be able to understand what rule of that is or the regularity of that is, but if what is sustaining every reality is the energy and the action of God, then is it so difficult to believe that from God's point of view and not ours, There are bits of the universal order where the fabric is thinner, where the coming together of certain conditions makes it possible for the act of God to be a little bit more transparent. And when we talk of miracles, that's it. Because how can you have somebody who has no interest in God No interest in humanity. Grant a poor widow justice, except that it is a miracle from God, God's self. How can you explain that? Because the widow likely was not that persuasive. The judge did not change his mind. But in this moment, there was a space where the gap between humanity and God got a little bit thinner. When we show up day after day and we ask for that justice, we seek out those things, we show up, there are moments far more often where we can see those thin spaces occur. We don't have to keep praying and hoping for them to happen because as we walk along our way, we see them a little bit more. The widow's might is not in her persuasion. It's not in her creativity. It's not in her skill. It's not in her power. It's that she showed up. And God was there too. What would it be like for you To believe that tomorrow when you show up to school, when you show up to work, when you show up to that doctor's appointment, when you show up to that thing, you say, listen, I don't know what's going to happen. I am not that persuasive. But I am here. And I believe that God is with me. And whatever happens is what God is calling us to. And we'll keep doing it together. What might we see? Might we see 
the moments when God really is with us, might we see them expressed and exposed because we don't think that we know what God's going to do? We might see miracles happening in front of us. Unjust judges suddenly giving justice. So show up tomorrow, friends. Every single part of you, just show up. Because that's where God is. Thanks be to God.